I was watching recently on Netflix. I think it was on Netflix. Um, they did a, uh, they did this documentary thing. I like documentaries um, on on the Challenger. If you don't know what the Challenger was, in 1986, um, NASA launched a space shuttle called the Challenger, and that was nicknamed the Teacher um, Space Shuttle, and that's the one that actually exploded and, and changed basically the course of sort of history. And it, it simply comes down to when they were um, doing their research into what happened and looking into what happened, it, it came down to a rubber O-ring, basically. And a, a rubber O-ring failed and then exploded. And so it's a very, a very inexpensive part caused all the dramas. But it's interesting when I was watching the video and, and, and watching the space shuttle and they had gone to all this work and, and, and explaining how they got to this point of going into space shuttles and they had it on the foundation or the launch pad and how much work goes into the launch pad. Now, I've spoken about this before, about a firm foundation is paramount to launch. And as this space shuttle is, you know, sitting on this launch pad and it's held in place and at one point in time they had to actually cancel the flight because it got too cold and there were actually icicles hanging off the space shuttle. So they had to uh, cancel the, the, the launch and they had to put it on to another day. But they were looking at everything from, from the whole launch pad to the necessary items and they, as they just begin to start up the rocket boosters, they... They shoot water into the platform. And this water is, is high-pressured and there's a huge amount of water. It's gushing. It's their design so nothing burns and, and gets destroyed. And then as you see, they, they fire up the sparks and then they release the fuel and it's a phenomenal feat. It's a phenomenal feat watching the space shuttle actually take off. Actually, any time a rocket takes off is pretty cool. But as I was watching this, it was so interesting to see how paramount that, that platform really is. And certain platforms only get used once and then they have to go rebuild it um, just because it might get damaged or something else might happen to it or in this case the Challenger uh, space shuttle launch because it was such a significant event that got linked to it, they didn't actually use that platform again. And Jesus in Matthew 7 gives a parable of the two foundations. And this is pretty well known. You know, we used to sing it when I was at uh, Sunday school. You know, the wise man builds his house upon the rock. And then you go into it. I'm not going to sing anymore because um, you'll all leave. But um, there's this parable of these two foundations. The, the wise man builds his, his foundation upon the rock and the foolish man builds his foundation upon the sand. And, and when the storm comes, the wise man's house, it is, his still is standing. And when the foolish man's house, storm comes, it, it washes away and there's nothing left. It's interesting to note that it, we actually get to choose the foundation we build upon. We get to determine what foundation that is and how much work we put into that foundation. Unfortunately, what happens sometimes is we're in such a rush to get to where we want to that we don't value the foundation as much as we should and... When the storm does come, as long as our house looks like it's okay, unfortunately when the storm comes, it washes away. And we've seen that so many times in, uh, in, in different celebrities' lives and, and, and if you, I don't know, if you watch the tabloids or whatever else, and you can see the difference between someone who's built character and someone who hasn't. Um, you see all the sports stars, you know. It's, it's hard going from literally nothing to being paid millions and millions of dollars. 
And if you don't have the character to sustain that, then there becomes an issue. And that's where we've seen major big sports stars fall, do something criminal, do something really stupid, um, get into trouble. It's because they don't have the character to sustain. And what we're actually talking is that we're talking about the foundation that they built their lives upon. And Jesus gives us a choice of what we build our foundation upon. Every person, and I want you to understand that, every person, every person here in this room, every person in this city, every person in this country, every person in this world has been called by God. Every person. God calls every person. Every person that has ever existed. Every person that will ever exist are called by God. God calls them. He doesn't use his, his big phone. He calls it through the Spirit. But we are each and every one of us called to him. Yet not everyone responds. Not everyone picks up the phone. Not everyone hears or is, uh, allows the Holy Spirit to speak to them. Not everyone receives or everyone takes up that call. Not everyone responds in the same manner. Not everyone gives into the same degree the call. God gives us all free choice. We, that's what we all have. We all have free choice, free will. You can call it whatever you want. We have the choice of how we choose to live our lives, right? You can choose to be, I don't know, someone in IT. You can choose to be a sparky. You can choose to be a chippy. You can choose to be um, a mum. You can choose to be uh, someone who works at home, someone who works, um, whatever it is. You get the choice. You get to choose how you respond to, to the call. You get to return. Uh, you get to choose how you choose your life. You get to make choices in your life. You get to choose how much time and effort you put in to value the character that, you, that is in your life. God gave us free choice. Not everyone in this world, and it's evident, will choose what God has for them. Not everyone will respond to the call. Not everyone will accept the call. Not everyone will acknowledge it. Not everyone will uh, take it on to the same degree. Some might take, oh yeah, I'll take the call for 30 seconds. Some might take it just to the point of salvation. Some might take it and run with it for the rest of their lives. Not everyone takes the call to the same degree. God gave us all free choice. Now, I am held responsible for my choices in life just like you are for yours. And to fully understand our choice to follow Jesus Christ, which we all have in this place, will require both the Word of God and require the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is often described as like the wind. And if you want to have a, a, an understanding of it, it's like the wind that blows our sails. So picture yourself like a big ship. The wind blows our sails and pushes us along, but it's the Word of God that is the rudder. And He steers the ship. Or the Word of God steers the ship. And so there has to be this balance between the two to understand our call in God. To understand what God's called us to and why He's called us to. Understanding the Word of God and understanding the Holy Spirit. But remember, God gave us all free choice. God sent his Holy Spirit to call us, to beckon us, to direct us, to speak to us, to show us the doors to walk through. The Holy Spirit's job is to draw us to the cross of salvation, right? and then he draws us to Jesus, and then the Jesus takes us to the Father. 
And it's this process of the Holy Spirit working in us and Jesus being the Word that draws us closer and closer in relationship to God. But we have all been called out of darkness. We have all been called from the darkness. And the darkness is a place where there is no light. It's not... It's just simply, the best way to put it is an absence of light. That's what darkness is. You turn off all your lights in your room and if you've got block out curtains, then you'll be pitch, pitch black, right? And then you turn on the light and the light goes everywhere where the shadows aren't, right? You put something in blocking that light and it casts a shadow and there'll be darkness in those places. And the light is only allowed in the places that we allow it. And the easiest way to let the light go into all your room is to empty out the room. I remember when we first uh, we were building our house and you get to that frame stage and, and we, we only lived down the road so we got, to, we got to see our house pretty much every week and see the progress of it every week and kids loved it and we got the kids to write on the wall so if you take the plaster off the wall there's writing behind the timber, right? We, we got... The, I think Charlotte wrote, this is my room. Drew a picture of a love heart or something like that and unicorns and whatever else and Zef drew some other stuff. And, and as you go into a house where it's just the frame, I swear the house looks so small. It does, doesn't it? Then you get to a point where they put the plaster up on the walls and you, you get some sort of dimension and the room looks, oh, that's, that's not quite as small. And then you move in and you put some furniture and you're like, it's much bigger than what I thought it was. But we are all called out of those darkness and we all got to get to that understanding that if you want the light to shine in your place, you have to remove everything that might cast a shadow. In 1 Peter 2, 9-10, this is the core of the passage of Scripture, it says, But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You are not, sorry, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter is drawing this interesting contrast, okay? He's drawing this interesting contrast between disobedience and believing Jews. And then you mix in some Christians in there as well, right? And this all derives from his understanding of the Old Testament, what's happened with the Hebrews. But I want to go through a couple of major points. I'm going to leave that passage of Scripture up there so you can constantly refer back to it. But it refers to one of the things, but you are a chosen race. As believers, we have privileges and we have responsibilities. And the word responsibilities basically means when you break it down, it says this, it's a response to his abilities. And in Hebrews 4.16, it says, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in this time of need. See, we have privileges. As soon as you give your life to Jesus, you have privileges. You have privileges to enter into the throne room. 
You have privileges to walk into God's presence. You can get into God's presence wherever you are. You can get into his presence in your bedroom. You can get into his presence when you're driving the car. I don't know how many times I've been driving down the road and I'm just having this moment with God. I've got the music blaring. Thank goodness for, um, for wireless telephones these days because I look like I'm going berserk or whatever. It probably just looks like I'm having an argument on the phone. But I'm having a moment with God. I remember there's been moments when I've, had, I've been driving along and I've just had a moment from God and I've just turned off the road because I'm like, I can't keep going because I'm going to get into an accident and I don't know how I'm going to explain to the police that I was, I was slain in the spirit driving my car. Uh, it doesn't work. But we have privileges as sons and daughters of the living King. Whether or not we understand it, whether or not we acknowledge it or not, we have privileges. My kids have privileges. As our sons and our son and daughter, they have privileges to the house. They have privileges to me. Right? I guarantee you the way Brad's kids relate to me is not the same as my kids. Right? But my kids have privileges. And we are first and foremost. God's children and we have been granted these privileges because we are his children we can enter with confidence boldness into the presence of God and humbly knowing that we have attained these privileges through grace and mercy through nothing of our own we can enter we can come on a Sunday morning knowing that our worship team has done a phenomenal job they've been practicing they've got all the keys right everyone knows what they're doing they're all on the same page they're all singing the same song for goodness thank goodness right and the only people that are out are those of us who can't sing but we can come in this place even understanding our lack of talent and lack of ability and enter into the presence of God Actually, if you want to go into the process of entering into the promise, the presence of God in the Old Testament, it was a long, long, long process. One person, the high priest, one day of the year. That's it. And after he had made so many different sacrifices, after so much blood had been spilt, they had burnt up the offerings, they had smoke had gone up, he had washed his hands, he was, he was as purified as he possibly could, could enter into the promised holy of holy places. In fact, they were so concerned about the presence of God that they would tie a rope around the high priest's ankle just in case just in case he wasn't 100% right. And he would walk in and he'd have little bells on the bottom of his gown. And as he walked in, you could hear the bells. Tinkle, tinkle, tinkle. It was like Rudolph, right? Rudolph walks in into the presence of God. But this time, it's the high priest. And he's walking into the presence of God. And he has a role to play. He's into the Holy of Holies place. He's in the, with the Ark of the Covenant. The veil is still up and he's in the Holy of Holy places. They would fill this place with smoke. And if by chance he was struck down, if he wasn't 100% right, if he wasn't right with God, they'd stop hearing the bells and they'd know to pull him out because he was dead. There was such a reverence for the presence of God. Such a reverence. And today we have the privilege, and it is a privilege to walk in the presence of God. We don't have to make the sacrifices like they did in the Old Testament 
because the ultimate sacrifice has already been paid for. The blood has been spilled. We don't have to tie little ropes around our legs or have bells around just in case we get struck down because that's not important anymore. We're covered by the blood, right? This is the privilege of being a son and a daughter of the house. The son and the daughter of the Most High God. You can walk into the presence of the Most High. You can walk into the presence of the Father. And there might be a little bit of blemish in you, and that's okay, because Jesus' blood covers you. And we have it because of grace and mercy, not because of anything we've done, not because we're good enough, but we have that privilege. Because God wanted his children to be near him. He wants us to be in that place where we can walk into his presence. That we don't take it lightly. I can turn on my music in my car, have it blasting, and I can enter into the presence of God. I can be at home, turn on the pre- enter into the presence of God. I can be at home, I'm writing a sermon, I'm sitting there looking at something and the presence of God falls. Like I have that privilege, I can enter in. Right? There's times when I'm just I'm praying. I can enter into his presence. I don't have to make sure I've sacrificed all these animals. I don't have to make sure that I'm 100% right. I can enter in freely. Why? Because we're chosen. Because we're called. And God presents this to every one of his children. He says, come, come. I've called you into the light. I've called you into the light. Come into the light. Come into my presence. Right? Cast your burdens upon the Lord. Let go of all that might worry, all that concerns you. Let it go. My presence is all you need. My presence. And what's really sad is the children of Israel actually had the same privilege. This is what God was working towards. Right? I want you to understand that you cannot enter my presence without Jesus Christ. So I want you to go through these processes so you understand that when I send my son, he dies for you, that you have the privilege and you have the right to come in my presence. But you also need to understand this by grace and mercy. See, it's by unbelief that Israel failed to realize the promise of God. They failed. And each one of us, each one that believes, each one of those who choose to put up their hand, each one that choose to accept Jesus Christ, we are chosen. We are a chosen generation. We are chosen. God chose you, right? He chose you. He designed you for a purpose. He created you for a purpose. He put a little bit of himself in you and he called you. Israel chose not to believe. There's a whole story you can read. It's called the Old Testament. And you can read time and time again when man, when Israel chose not to believe. And when Jesus rocks up, he goes to the Jew first. Right? And then when they reject him, he goes to the Gentile. That's us. Right? We're non-Jews, unless you are a Jew. But we have all been chosen. We've all been called. Not some, not those who think they're good enough, not those who think, oh, I might be worthy enough. We're all called. We're all chosen. And maybe not be, let me start again. We may not feel worthy, and that's good because you're not, 
and neither I, because none of us are worthy of it. That's why grace and mercy is necessary, because it's grace and mercy that actually gave us this opportunity. And we may never fully understand it. We may never fully understand His grace and mercy, but that doesn't change it because we've been chosen. The second little thing is it says, we are a royal priesthood. And I've covered some of this beforehand and covered this just before when it's talking about the priesthood, right? There was a priest, a high priest, and then he had all the Levites. And the Levites were a tribe of people that were called to look after the house of God. They would set it up, they would maintain it. Like I said before, there was only one high priest and he could only enter in the presence of God one day of the year. Oh, and thank goodness we don't have that. Thank goodness we have the ability to walk in his presence wherever we are. I don't know how many times I've been sitting in meetings talking to people and I was like, oh God, I need your help right now. But we are all priests. We all have that privilege to enter in. That's what it's saying. We're all royal priesthood. We're royal because we come from the king. And we're priests because we are allowed to enter into his, pre, uh, his presence. And we've all got to work together at the direction of the great high priest, which is Jesus Christ. We don't have to bring in animal sacrifices, although I do like a good barbecue. And we all have sacrifices that we need to make. And that's letting go of some of the baggage that we've got. And we ought to give our bodies as living sacrifices because that's what we're called to do. That's what Paul says. He says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, this is Paul, by the mercies of God, through mercy, right, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable God, right? with all your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove the perfect will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. What we need to do is we need to remove everything in our house that casts a shadow from the light. Any area that might look cast a shadow remove it get rid of it anything in my life that I've learned, and look I'm on this process as well there's sometimes that God will bring up something and say, oh really you have to do that okay and then this can be a hard process because the longer you've had it the longer it's ingrained in you it's harder to let go I remember when, when especially early on God asked me to get rid of all this is back in those days when they had CDs right if you're like me, we had these big wallets of CDs. Kids, this is like a big disc, and we would put them in our cars, and you'd have music on those, and you'd press play, and you get your music. Now we have things like phones that have MP3 players and whatever else. But back when I was a teenager, we had these things called c- CDs, and I had h- hundreds of them. Back those, you could even do the naughty things and have copies, right? But none of us had those things. None of us, right? And I had hundreds of these things that I remember God speaking to me. I can't even remember how much money I'd spent on my CDs. And he said, throw them away. And I fought him. No, I did not hear it. That's the devil. No, that can't be God. He would never ask me to throw away that. 
And I remember it was a process, and I remember just one day, I just, i got to do it. I don't need this anymore. So I threw all these CDs away, gone, never to be picked up again. Why? Because they were casting a shadow. The light was not able to shine in an area that it needed to. And when I allow the light to shine in the area, it points to what needs to disappear. See, it's through his mercy towards us, right? And mercy is where he withholds the punishment for the sin. And all the things we've done in our lives that are, that are sinful, he withholds the punishment. That is what mercy is. We do not deserve it. We deserve all the punishments, and yet he withholds it. And it was God's plan that the nation of Israel become a kingdom of priests. That's what his plan was. A spiritual influence within all the godly nations around them. Instead, Israel chose to imitate them. He, they adopted the outside nation's principles and practices, and they became like them. They did what was not allowed to do. In fact, if you read why even the nation of Israel got a king, it's because the people wanted a king. They looked at all the other nations and said, they've got kings, we need a king. The king was never God's idea. So when God chose the first king of Israel, he chose a king that they wanted, Saul. And if you know the story of Saul, he was not a good king. The next king, God chose. And even though he was not perfect, he was called a man after God's own heart. But if you read the stories of the kings of Israel, most of them failed miserably because it was never God's plan to have kings. Never. There are some times that God will allow us to do things. There were sometimes God will grant our wishes even though he knows they're not the right things. Because sometimes what he actually has to do is get us to a point where we can actually see what he really wants to do. And in our getting what we want, we realize, oh, I don't actually really need that. Today, we need to maintain or we need a separate position in this world, right? That means we need to be separate from the world. So we can be a spiritual influence reaching the world in the name of Jesus Christ. The world needs our influence. The world needs Jesus. The world needs what we have. It's separation. It's not isolation. It's contact without contamination. I am not talking about finding some patch of land in the middle of nowhere and setting up some convent or summing up some area where only the church is, right? We need to be in the world but not of the world. We are supposed to carry the light, not be the darkness or not allow the darkness to influence us. And to be the light, we need to allow, it, allow the light to shine. To go into all the dark areas of our lives and allow the light to shine and go, deal with this. Deal with this. 
deal with this. And the greatest thing about it is when God says you need to deal with something, he's there open and he gives you the grace to be able to deal with it and then he gives you the time to work through it. God doesn't want you to go, you know what, that has to go right now, boom. You haven't done that? Well, you're just bad. It's a process and God knows it's a process. God gives us the grace to work through our issues. God gives us the grace to work through our lies, our hurts and our baggage. To remove the darkness. And the longer the darkness has been there, the more familiar we are with it. God says, you don't need it. Let my light shine. And like I said, Israel and started to take on the other nations, become more and more like them. As priests, we enter the sanctuary of heaven by faith to worship. And we offer our sacrifices, our personal sacrifices, our sacrifices of praise. We have access to the throne room. We have access to the presence of God through Christ. And we can enter into his presence with boldness, knowing that I am a son and a daughter, not by my ability, but by Christ's ability, I am washed clean. And I can enter into your presence. The third thing up there is we are a holy nation. Oh, wrong bit. I love technology. That's just good with that one. Is that the right one? Chosen race, holy people, da da da. <sighs> Don't you love it when the nation, where everything works together? But we are a holy nation. There it is, last line, for second line. We're a holy nation. I mean, we are referred to as a holy nation. That's what we are called. We are holy. Even when you're not perfect, even when you make mistakes, we are referred to as holy. It was God's intention that Israel be a nation distinguished by holiness. But they stopped short, way short, through their sinful practices. They would not let go. Israel will always have a special place in God's heart, always. And I truly believe that their time is not done yet. Actually, I believe that we actually get a second blessing. The first blessing is we get grafted in, right? We were not, even though Jesus came to us, he came to the Jew first. The Jew rejected him, then he came to the Gentiles, and if we accept him, that's our first blessing, right? The second blessing is to come. Jesus is coming back for his Israel. God will always love Israel. See, we belong to God. We have a special value in Him. We were bought with a price. It's because we were bought, we were paid in full, that we are now His. We are His, I just found a few things of what He calls us. We are His workmanship. We are the light of the world. We are victors. We are the children of God. We are chosen, we are heirs, we are free, we are justified, and we are redeemed. We are the branch of the true vine. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are ambassadors of God. We are righteous, we are redeemed, and we are forgiven. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit, 
and we are citizens of heaven. We are what he says about us. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. That washes us clean. That removes all the filth and the gunk. And it's not I who live, but Christ who lives within me. We are holy. And we are seen as holy. That's how the Father views you. He sees you, he views you through the blood of Jesus. right? Through the perfect blood of Jesus. And we have been called. Called from the darkness. And we are free from darkness. Although sometimes we like to go back in and touch it. It's like a hot element. Don't touch the hot element. It'll burn you. And we are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we now have the platform, right, which is Jesus Christ, to launch from. And we can launch into whatever God's called us to. Because why? Because we're free. We don't have this baggage anymore. We're not supposed to carry this baggage. We're not supposed to carry the, the condemnation of all our sins and our wrongdoings. For years I carried my baggage. I don't want it. It just weighs me down. Freedom is not in my effort. It's not in my striving. It's in our rest. The resting in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The resting in the knowledge of the Father and what He has planned for me. The understanding that it is completely, 100% finished in Christ. But the truth is, the knowledge has to move from our heads to our spirits, to our hearts. Because when you have knowledge, you're trying to do something. But when you have revelation or when the, the truth of it is actually in your spirit, you don't actually have to try. It just flows. See, our victory is in receiving the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the more revelation we get, the more it lives out of us. We are called out of darkness to his light. Once we were in darkness, we were in the sin and the shame, right? And by deliverance, we have been transferred or tra into the kingdom of God, into the arms of the Father. And there is a transition that takes place at salvation, right? And there is a transition that takes place that moves us, and then there's a process that we have to walk it out every single day. And sometimes it gets tiring. And it's referred to as marvelous light. We're called out of darkness to his light. And I don't know what you feel like or what it's like, but there's a big difference between standing in the middle of nowhere in the pitch black and standing in a place of light. In the middle of pitch black, when there's nothing around you, have you ever been out a little bit out west where it's just it's pitch black, right? Black has a whole new meaning. You can't see your hand in front of your face. Right? How safe do you feel? Then go walk in the light. Go stand under a street corner when there's a light flowing. How safe do you feel? Because you can see what's coming. You can see what's around you. We're not designed, we're not supposed to stand in the darkness. We're actually supposed to be in the light. We're supposed to be with Jesus. That's why he called us to the point of light. From darkness to light.
It takes faith to receive Jesus. It takes faith to acknowledge it. It takes faith every single day to acknowledge who you are in him, to acknowledge your rightful place, to acknowledge that I am not in the darkness anymore. I am in the light. And any darkness in my place, in my home, and in my life, I'm going to remove. It takes faith to stand up. It takes faith to acknowledge who you are. It takes faith to acknowledge your wrongdoings. It takes faith to acknowledge who you are in Him. It takes faith to, to receive it. Some of us need to stop living in the condemnation of the enemy. Where we think we need to do something in order to get somewhere. Oh, I haven't been good enough this week. Maybe I won't go to church. Maybe I'll get struck down. I, I love that one. I've got to be honest with you. I've, had, I've, known, I've talked to a few people who say, oh, I can't go to church. Pretty bad. I might get struck down. You don't know God. Because he can strike you down out of such church. He don't need you to turn up to church to strike you down. What it takes faith to receive his love. It takes faith to understand that there is no more condemnation in him. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus because he already knows your wrongdoings and still accepts you. He still calls you. Do you know that? Like, I'm not perfect. And if you think I am, well, I'm not perfect. I know my wrongdoings. I know all the wrong things that I've ever done. But I also know that it's by grace and mercy that I enter into his presence. I also understand that he loves me. And every single day I get more of a revelation of that. And every week, spending time with him, reading his word, spending time in his presence, listening to his Holy Spirit, I'm gaining more and more of a revelation because it's a process. I walk it out coming closer and closer to the Father. It's not like you get saved and you're supposed to be at point Z. It's a process. Walk it out. And there's no judgment in the house. Well, there shouldn't be any judgment in the house of God. Right? No one should ever say, oh, you're not good enough this week. Oh, what are you doing this week that's bad? No one should ever judge you because they've got their own things they've got to deal with. That's why there's grace. There's mercy. There's no condemnation. You're received. My job, my role is to encourage you to, to get to know him more. My job is to encourage you to show you the way and say, hey, Jesus loves you. Go closer. Go closer. He won't hurt. He won't bite. All right? Put in the effort. Put in the work. Read the word. Pray. Seek him's face. You know? There's a whole community around us. There's a whole region around us who need Jesus. And if you don't believe me, go look at the world. Go look at the, what the world thinks the answer is. Because they ain't got it. They have not. I've been there and I've done that. I lived in the world for a period of time in my life. It ain't worth it. I know the difference between living with Him and living without Him. I know the difference of getting hungry and seeking revelation and seeking his face just to be close to him. I understand the difference between trying to do works and trying to really, really work hard in order to get close to him because it don't work either, right? You have free access, free access. And the only thing that holds us back is ourselves. 
We're not supposed to be in the darkness anymore. We're called from it. We have the full access of the light. So let him shine bright in you. Let him burn bright in you. Get hungry. Make this year about getting closer to God. Make this year about whatever comes at you. Whatever comes before you, you're going to deal with, you're going to work through. And in the meantime, you're going to deal with your past. So it doesn't become extra weight. I don't know if you ever run a marathon. I haven't run a marathon. Um, I was never built for long marathons. Right? I, w- I, was, I was built to cook steak. That's it. Um, but I can tell you, whenever you do run, the last thing you want is baggage. The last thing you want running a race is carrying an extra 40 kilos. Isn't it, Dave? It's hard enough just running a race, let alone an extra 40 kilos. But that's what we do. We carry sometimes our baggage of our past, trying to move into our future, going, oh my gosh, this is heavy. This is hard. Yeah, no joke. It's like the, the old um, Jenny Craig gag when the guy had like 40 kilos of oranges hanging on him, right? Does any, anyone remember that? Anyone old enough to remember that? No? Oh, you're from New South Wales. Maybe you didn't see that. They had this ad. He's got 40 kilos of oranges hanging on him, right? And he's trying to do all these activities. He's trying to go for a run. I think he was trying to go for a swim. It was hilarious. But that's what we do in the spirit. We carry an extra weight. And God says, why? Why are you carrying it? I didn't put it on you. There's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. In fact, he says, cast your burden upon me, for I care for you, right? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What we're actually supposed to do is let it go. Take it off and run your race. Because the only way you're going to get to the future is letting go of your past. Letting go of all the darkness in your life, all those dark areas. Dealing with them and saying, Jesus, I let them go in the name of Jesus. I'm cleansed, I'm washed, I'm white as snow. And you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, then I want to invite you to come to first know Him. I want you to meet your Lord and Savior. I want you to understand Him. I want you to get the revelation of what salvation actually does to you because it changes your life. It changes you. It changes you. There's nothing like it in the whole world. I tried a whole bunch of different stuff. It don't work. But Jesus, He does work. I don't get paid extra money for saying these things. I just want you to put that away. Right? I don't do this for the money. I do this because he changed me. That's it. I don't preach because of what he did. I, I'm sorry. I don't preach because I'm good enough. I preach because of what he did to me, what he's doing to me, and what he will do. I, I am sold out. This is what I do. This is what I do for a living. I stand up and proclaim who Jesus is. That's it. I love him to bits. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I can't change. I can't go back. All I, have to, all I can do is go forward. I'm sold out. I'm done. You can take me tomorrow, Jesus. Just, I think my family's ready for that. Whatever you want me to do, whatever's in your will, I'll do it. I'll struggle through it, but I'll do it. I know you're called. Why? Because his word says it. 
We're all called. He doesn't call one and not another. He calls everybody. But we all have a choice in how we respond to the call. We all have the same opportunity. It's just whether or not we respond to Him. So respond. Take up the challenge. There might be a hundred things holding you back, but you only need one thing to propel you forward. Let's pray. Father, I lift up every person here. Father, you know them. You know where they've been. You know what they're going through. You know all the hassles. You know all the worries. You know the concerns, the anxieties, the struggles. You know the future. You know the purpose you have for them. You know their giftings. You know their callings. You created them. You planted them for such a time as this. You gave them the place. You moved them to this place for a purpose. And even if you don't understand it, you're here for a purpose. God, don't make junk. Father, I lift up every person that we would come to a greater understanding, a greater revelation of who you are in us. Father, have your way. Have your way this year in our lives. Do what you need to do. Let us not fight you, but let us surrender in you. Father, I speak your mighty hand upon us. you covering in your hedge of protection. Father, bless us in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.